The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. You are now listening to Dainty Thug Podcast. Please be advised, Dainty Thug Podcast contains explicit and strong language. Become a Patreon supporter. Patreon.com slash M-S-A-B Fabulize Mag F-A-B-U-L-I-Z-E-M-A-G Your support allows Dainty Thug Podcast to have access to celebrities, get to events, host meetups, and produce quality content. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. been a long time i shouldn't left you without a dope beat to step 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 to i know it's been a minute it's been a minute and i know some of you have probably unfollowed me and unsubscribed me because it's been too long and i i deserve it you know i fucking deserve you just dropping me and kicking me to the corner for me not just saying anything for several weeks I deserve it you know I deserve it but if you are here and if you are listening I have a really good interview today I have Jordan Clark writer comic book writer um who is doing the Aquaman 62 and 63 issue and I just read 62 and it comes out you know Tuesday I I hope this published on Tuesday so you all can hear it um it is a very interesting storyline and I think you all should read it and the reason why I'm bringing it to y'all's attention is not only because I have Jordan, but there was an article I read a little bit back that, you know, since everyone is home and, you know, home more, rather, some people are still have to work and some people are still, you know, commuting and things like that. But books and comics are on the rise because people are reading more now. And since we are launching a book club, the Afro Fantastic Book Club, I thought it would be a great opportunity to not just support black comics, but to, you know, just support black writers and authors in general. Like I've always been, I've been doing it. I want to continue to do it. But now that we are home more, I really want to encourage people to read more, you know, read themselves, read for themselves, read to their children, to the babies in the house, encourage their children to read, you know, just the whole, the whole thing. So, um, I love reading 
comics written by black people I think is really cool I love how they just insert blackness into these fantasy worlds you know and it's really cool to me and I was so honored to receive an an advance reader copy of Aquaman by Jordan Clark um I thought it was really interesting um it's a story uh, you know has black mantis in it he's still an asshole <laughs> um black man has got a lot of beef man he's not a happy person and um you know even though he's writing two issues in this complete run it's pretty heavy you know the content is is very meaty you know, it's not just like you flip a page and, you know, that's done. It's a, it's a very layered and meaty, um, fulfilling comic um, story. So I hope you enjoy it. So I hope you enjoy the interview with me and Jordan Clark. He's also written for um, Bitch Planet. So many of you are already familiar with his work. And we just talk about, you know, books and reading and comics, of course. And we just, you know, talk about his new project. So check it out. And guess what? I hope you all are staying safe. You know, stay safe as much as you can. Enjoy this interview. And when the interview is over, make sure you grab a copy of Aquaman to read Jordan's Clark run in it because it's really cool and you're not going to want to miss it. Okay, so check this interview out. All right, so hi, Jordan. Hey, how's it going? I'm fine. So what's up, everybody? I hope everybody is staying safe. And um, we have Jordan Clark here today. I'm so excited. Um, So Jordan is going to be writing 62 and 63. Did Did I get through right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> of DC Aquaman, Aqualad Tale. So I just, you know, I read it over this weekend. So I want you to tell us about it. And, you know, we, we're going to start from there. We're going to start about what's happening right now. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, if you haven't been reading Aquaman uh, over the last couple of months, um, Kelly Sudakonik is writing it. And she's been telling us this long story of basically Aquaman and Mira and kind of, you know, their relationship. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs. You know, Aquaman had amnesia for a while. He kind of came back and remembered himself. Uh, Mira has been in charge of Atlantis, you know, running it as kind of like the sole monarch, but there's been a lot of people kind of challenging for the throne. And, and now there's going to be this big rural wedding uh, on the heels of Mira giving birth to, you know, her and Aquaman's child. Um, and so there's, there's, there's a lot of tension and a lot of things being built up with that underneath all that though, has been the return of, of Jackson Hyde Aqualad, who was in the Teen Titans comics. If you're more familiar with Young Justice, where he's Calder, um, you know, it's, it's a little similar. He's still Black Manta's son, um, but he is a, a young black gay teenage superhero who's trying to kind of find his place in the world and uh you know Aquaman has been mentoring him and they've had a few adventures together but this story is going to be all about Jackson and kind of this 
situation he finds himself in where he's kind of got to do a favor for his father, who he hates, um, and also is reunited with his grandfather, who is currently, like, his consciousness has been put inside of, like, a giant mech robot because um, it's comics. Uh, and so he's he's kind of dealing with all these different relationships that he's um, he has just in terms of his family, but also is, is going back to Zebel. Uh, where his mom was originally fun, but she's been banned from Zebel forever, so he's never really got to see it for himself. So this is his first chance to go to Zebel, but it's under kind of not the best circumstances. How are you going to pack these this story into two issues? <laughs> it's it's a lot, you know. I think that's always part of the challenge um, of of any comic is how do you get the most story into, you know, the space that you have. And so for me, knowing that I had two issues to tell it, um, you know, I obviously really wanted to to get in deep as as possible, you know, in terms of Jackson's relationships, not only with his father, Black Manta, but then with his grandfather, and then with, you know, a, a lot of other characters that we'll kind of meet along the way. And, um, you know, I, I didn't want it to just end abruptly. <laughs> You know, so I had to kind of, you know, make decisions along the way of, okay, what's important? You know, what do we really need to know? What really needs to happen? And, and what are some things that we can kind of, you know, not give so much attention to without, you know, losing the the main heart of the story? So for me, you know, the, the few things I really wanted people to come away with this story is that Jackson is, is black. And you can see that very specifically when you when you look at him. He's gay, and that's something that you learn very quickly, you know, if you didn't know that already, um, and that he is he is trying to break, you know, these um, these stigmas, this generational trauma that's kind of gone down throughout his family from his grandfather to his father and now to him, um, and, and trying to, you know, as much as you can resolve that kind of stuff and as much as you can resolve that stuff in two issues, um, you know, really try to get to the heart of that, of his, this relationship he has with the other men in his family. And so um, I think we did it, you know, like I, I, I've kind of gotten to the end of my work on these two issues. And so, you know, seeing everything come together, you know, it feels good. It feels like we, we really told a whole complete story, but it is tricky because uh, you always feel like there's more that you want to do and there's more that you want to say. Um, but I think we, we kind of pared it down to the most essential things and we were able to get those in these two. How did you go about, uh, you know, putting this storyline for Jackson? So it, it's interesting because when we, well, when I was approached initially for this, um, you know, it wasn't a situation where DC Comics was like, okay, here's the story that we want to tell. So like, you know, we want you to come in and basically just, you know, do this. Uh, it was more like, okay, here's Jackson right now. Like, here's all the things that are going on in his life. And here's some things that we were interested in seeing, you know, kind of explored. But, you know, it's up to you to see where you want to take it and kind of decide what you want to ultimately do with Jackson and, and his story. And so, um, you know, I think the things that are most interesting to me about Jackson is, one, you know, he's he's coming from this family. He's the son of Black Manta, who is like Aquaman's ultimate villain. You know, it's Black Manta and Ocean Master who are kind of like, you know, the the top enemies of, of Aquaman. So he's he's teaming up with his his father's, you know, most hated enemy um, and 
kind of learning under him, he's also, you know, having to deal with that stigma of your father is a notorious supervillain who has done countless horrible things. And so here you are, a superhero, you know, who has powers and abilities. And like, how do you go about the world? Not even necessarily rectifying those wrongs, because that's not on you. But, you know, you, you share the same name. Right. You have the same blood, your your family. So, you know, there is a little bit of how do I kind of make my own path separate from my father and separate from Aquaman as well. Right. Because he wants to be his own person. Um, you know, he wants to kind of show the world who he is. So that's really, you know, the heart of what I wanted to get at is how do we give Jackson a story where, you know, he can kind of stand out and kind of reconcile with all the stuff that's going on in his personal life. Um, you know, reconciling with, you know, the fact that he hasn't really known family, doesn't, has no relationship with his father, never met his grandfather until this story, um, you know, has a relationship with his mom, obviously, like they love each other, but she hasn't been very forthcoming about Zebel and, you know, that whole part of her life. So he doesn't know anything about that. So, you know, kind of introducing this opportunity to go to Zebel, see all these things kind of at a cost, um, and hopefully come out the other side of it, you know, a, a very well-rounded person, but, you know, the kind of person that, as a reader, you can see, I want to follow Jackson. Like, I want to see where he goes next. I want to see what he does next um, and and see kind of where he takes those next steps and becoming his own person. So, you know, my approach is kind of like, what can we do to highlight Jackson and center Jackson, but also, you know, give Jackson a story that, after this, you know, these two issues, you know, if, if people want to keep following that narrative, like there's a whole lot of stuff that you can pull from these two issues and, and build, you know, bigger and better and more, more just over the top stories with Jackson. How important for you was to, you know, make sure that the reader knows that Jackson is gay or, you know, is a queer person? Uh, the most important, I think it was like, it was one of those things, again, like, um, you can see his blackness, you know, and, and blackness has many different shades and different variations, not only when it comes to like literal, you know, skin tone, but also just, you know, who we are as a people, right? You know, black people come from all different backgrounds and, you know, have, have all different, you know, beliefs and personalities. And so, you know, there's no one way to be black, but you know, we, we all have shared uh, struggles and things that we deal with. And so, you know, that's something that I think, you know, is is more apparent and more, you know, on, on the surface that you can see and you can't really question. Uh, when it comes to, you know, sexual orientation, that's something a lot of the times that you have to make explicit because, uh, you know, the thing I've heard the most just from, you know, my, my queer friends and, you know, uh, queer people in general, is that growing up, you know, a lot of the times when they were reading these stories, whether they were reading comics or watching cartoons or anything like that, a lot of, you know, these relationships and these orientations, not only were they not represented, but they were like teased, but never fulfilled, right? Like it was always a lot of filling in the blanks on your own and, and seeing, uh, well, like I think, you know, like it's it seems like it, you know, they're kind of teasing it, but like, nobody's saying it and they're not acting on it and so you know i can only guess you know as a, as a viewer like are they gay are they queer um and i wanted to like straight up you know 
within the first five or six pages, like, you know Jackson's gay. If you didn't know he was gay, you know he's gay, like, as, as quickly as possible, as quickly as we could get to that. And not making that a thing where it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's the biggest part of who he is. Because um, I think a lot of the time, you know, in, in representing queer characters, you know, like, any anybody, any person, any human being is made up of, of, of a multitude of things, right? So if I ask you, oh, tell me about your friend Derek, and you're like, well, Derek's gay, I would be like, keep going, you know, what else? Like, what, what, what does Derek like to do in his free time? Where does Derek work? Where did Derek go to school? Like, there's so many other things that can tell me about who Derek is other than, you know, the sexual orientation. And that might be a big part of Derek's identity, but it's not all of who he is. And so for Jackson, like, I wanted to be very clear up front, like, Jackson is gay, and, and this is a thing you know, but also, here's all these other things about Jackson, right? And so, you know, for anybody who's reading it, specifically for any, you know, uh, queer kids out there who are reading it, specifically, specifically for any Black queer kids out there reading it, I wanted you to be able to see yourself in Jackson immediately and not have to wonder or guess or, you know, any of that stuff. Um, so that was like one of the, the, the top things on my mind when I was writing these stories. Well, let me ask you a question. I've seen this word um, used um, more often lately called queer baiting, where it's a term used as stories written with, you know, a frame of queerness without actually explicitly saying out loud that it is queer and allowing the reader to assume that they're queer just to like later on from the uh whether the writer or from the team saying that they're not really queer how do Hmm. you feel about those type of words you know it's 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 interesting because you know we we act like uh you know the lgbtq community just came out of nowhere like it was like it's like a like a recent modern invention where like they've been around since people have been around right and so you know when you think about however long ago you know when when stories first started being told like they were always you know an an audience you know for stories and and when you see time and time and time again you know the the almost but not quite um, like I'm pretty sure it's like in Sailor Moon in later seasons there were like cousins that were like very close and it was insinuated that they were you know a couple but never stated and um, you know that kind of stuff I think it's it's harmful obviously you know in that you are uh, you know giving giving hope to people who have been dying to see themselves represented and then turn it around and kind of snatching it away from them. But, you know, I, I always think about, you know, what, like, what do you, what do you lose by, um, you know, including these narratives and, and including, you know, these different uh, backgrounds in your story and what do you gain from it? And a lot of times you lose nothing, right? Like there's nothing lost by, you know, having, uh, LGBTQ romances or just characters, you know, different backgrounds represented. Like it only brings more life and more richness to your world and to your story than acting like they don't exist or, you know, like like giving just enough but not really ever, you know, saying it out loud. So, you know, when I 
when it came to this story, obviously, like like I said, I really wanted to make it upfront and clear. But when you see it in other stories, it's it's always very confusing because, like, if you had just done it, it the story would have been better. Like, it, it would have given so much more to it if you had just gone ahead and, and and let that, you know, be what everybody clearly saw it, it was. So, um, you know, you have people like uh, Kay Applegate who wrote the Animorph series and, you know, people years later saying, oh, like, is this person, you know, gay or bi or, you know, was this a trans allegory? And she was like, yeah, yeah. go Like, if, if, if that's what you saw in it, it, it should be then. Or even, uh, you know, the, the Wachowski sisters um, from The Matrix, you know, coming out recently and saying, yeah, The Matrix is a trans allegory. Like, that that's what I was trying to say with that movie. And so, you know, if that turns you off, maybe you should do some self-interrogation and wonder why, you know, that, that would, you know, make you not want to read a story or enjoy, you know, a, a movie or a TV show. Uh, but for all those people who have spent so long not being able to see themselves, I think it is it is obviously time, but it, it's definitely extremely important to not, you know, kind of code things as much as just come out and explicitly say it because it, it is very necessary. What are some of your what some of your favorite black queer TV shows and books? So, let's see. I think, um, like, I, I I I need to watch Pose because it's it's something that people keep telling me about, and I'm just I'm bad at watching anything. <laughs> um, there's so many things that I still haven't watched that I'm just like, man, I should get on that. But I I love uh, I love Moonlight. Obviously, I think that's a movie that um, you know has really resonated with people in a lot of ways but you know it it coming out when it came out and it being what it was um you know in that moment but also you know how it's continued to resonate down the line i i am so glad that something like that exists um like within uh you know comic books obviously i love characters like you know prodigy and x-men um I love characters like I love I really love uh, Natasha Irons, who is like Steele's niece, who had like a good run in the 90s for a little bit, but then disappeared, but then kind of came back. And, you know, we're, we're seeing her kind of, you know, be more fluid in her sexuality. You know, I think she's bisexual, but, um, you know, we, we've seen her kind of date around. Um, and I think that's just that's super important to kind of see, you know, a character who is, um, you know, growing and evolving in their sexuality. I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people should see, but also can relate to. Um, I'm trying to think, like, let me let me make sure that I'm saying it right, because I feel like I, <laughs> I'm probably going to pronounce their name wrong. But I just read no this, this, this novel called Freshwater um, by... Uh, Akwikwe Emezi, uh, okay. who is a uh, a trans uh, author from Africa, and like they, the story itself was incredible. Uh, like the book came out, I want to say maybe only like two years ago. Like I think it's from 2018. Um, but you know, it's it's this incredible novel, you know, about uh, 
you know, this, this, this person who's kind of going through all of these different changes in their lives. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of it that is, uh, you know, kind of mythical, you know, like there's a lot of gods and, and, uh, things of that nature involved, but like the core concept of the story of just kind of this becoming something else, you know, and, and becoming, uh, somebody, you know, through through your 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 own sexuality, but just your life experiences and and how that kind of shapes you, and you know the push and pull of that, especially you know in a in a society and in a world that is definitely not inviting of of you, you know when you, right. when you step out of the norms in any way, you know it's always just kind of this, um, you know maybe not necessarily am I am I crazy, but like. You know, I'm not I'm not seeing any examples like there's not any I can't I can't just look to my left and say, oh, OK, like that's what's happening. You know, like there's a lot of people who are just like if you try to explain what you were feeling or what you're going through, um, you know, you would get a lot of questions and maybe people talking about you needing to be seen by a doctor and, you know, all this other stuff where it's just like, well, this is just me, though, like this is this you know, I am, I am a person like anybody else. I'm going through, you know, some specific individual, you know, challenges in terms of, you know, trying to figure out my identity, but, um, you know, it shouldn't be a thing that is, it is turned to such an extreme that, you know, people, people have to hide themselves, but also have to, um, you know, feel like they are threatened constantly as they, as they go through life. So Freshwater, uh, is an incredible novel that, you know, I I almost want to reread, you know, almost immediately. I just read it like a few weeks ago, but I definitely want to go back and, and, and go through it again. So if, if people are looking for, you know, a book like that, I would definitely recommend it. You know, I have always been of having the opinion that there is no way that I will naturally put superheroes as straight by a default. Like, you have these superhuman... <laughs> no, seriously. Like, you have these superhuman powers. Mm-hmm. You're either pushing buildings or moving planets or doing something really cool. Why would you just settle on just being <laughs> straight? Well, and and I think as, you know, we continue to grow as a society, hopefully, as a as people, you know, seeing sexuality as a spectrum, you know, as, as there's no definitive, like... Just because you started one way doesn't mean you have to end the other way. Just because, you know, you you felt like this at one time in your life doesn't mean that you're relegated to that for the rest of your life. And, um, you know, just in in terms of of it being like love, right? Like, I think that's the core of it all. Like, it's just, who do you love? Like, who who are the people that you, um, you know, aren't just physically attracted to, but like, have cultivated, you know, these deeper relationships with, and should it really matter, you know, what, what, what gender or sex, you know, they are. Um, and, and even, you know, if you feel a certain way, if you feel like, uh, you know, just seeing people who are gender fluid, right. And just how they kind of move through the world. Like we, we kind of put a lot of expectations and like, uh, set boundaries on ourselves that I feel like are definitely unnecessary, but also, you know, like people view them as as harmful in some way when you step out of those boundaries. But really, like it's not harming me. Like it's not harming anybody else if somebody is is kind of exploring, you know, all the possibilities of life. So when you when you definitely think about superheroes, I mean, for a long time, right, 
you know, the, the pervading theory when it came to superheroes was there was some quasi homosexual agenda of a closeted lifestyle and like all this other stuff that, you know, at the time was, um, pseudoscience, I guess, whatever they pass for, you know, psychology, but, um, you know, it's always like queerness has always kind of been coded in superheroes anyways. Uh, so I agree with you in the sense that for, for it to be the norm that superheroes are straight is kind of strange because, you know, not only do you have, you know, heroes who are, you know, coming from all different backgrounds, but some of them are like aliens or like from other dimensions or, yeah, I would be very upset if, like, aliens came here and they were just, like, completely homo and transphobic. Like, I would be so disappointed. I was like, are we really the smartest beings? And they cannot be. Like, I was a big fan of um, Gene Roddenberry's Earth, Final Conflict. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, my first time understanding the concept of, like, non-binary people. Mm-hmm. Because the aliens were non-binary. And, you know, the, the reason why they was on Earth, because it was non-binary and they want to populate, they want to, you know, uh, uh, expand on resources and stuff like that. So I just don't understand why, you know, especially in comic book culture where, you know, by default, superheroes aren't like social justice warriors. Mm-hmm. There's such a disdain for the same thing they proclaim to love. Right. It doesn't yeah. make sense to me. <laughs> so are you prepared for the for the, you know, inevitable negative feedback that you might get with 62 and 63 because of your unapologetic pro- proclamation of Jackson being queer? You know, I this is all right, this is how I feel about a lot of the stuff because for me specifically, you know, I like you, I just can't really wrap my head around why people are so hung up on not only, you know, when it comes to, you know, orientation, but in and gender as well. But when it comes to, um, you know, all, all the all the craziness over, say, like the Little Mermaid casting, right, where Ariel's black now and everybody's like. You're worrying it. Like, the story, like, that. you can't tell that story because everything's different now. And it's like, why? You know, like, what What about The Little Mermaid is white? Like, what about that has to be that way? Why can't she be really whatever? She's a mermaid, for one. So she's not even a, a real thing. Uh, but also, you know, it's it's it, it tells you a lot about people when those are the kind of things that, that get them upset. So for me, you know, my mentality is i'm not writing this story for you so if, if you're upset about it probably good you know <laughs> that probably that would probably make me happy because this story is you know it's it's ideally for everybody but specifically it is for uh queer black kids you know like this is who i really want the story to reach and 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 speak to and so, you know, maybe it's not for you, you know, if, if you feel that way. But honestly, um, you know, I I pay way more attention to not the, the positive feedback, but feedback from, you know, communities and from people that this story is, is intended for. So if I got negative feedback from them, that would be different because then I would feel like, oh, man, you know, I messed it up. Like, I didn't do it right. And like, 
you know, I, I, I was trying to make something for them and then I failed. And then I would take that criticism and then, you know, next time, you know, there's an opportunity to tell a story like this, I would, you know, take that into account and try to work that into the story. So that's the only negative feedback and criticism that I, that would phase me. But for everybody else, you know, who just, if, if Jackson being gay is going to set you off or a story about a black superhero is going to set you off or whatever else, like, good. You know, honestly, like, I, I am unbothered by, you know, so much of that. And I think, um, you know, in a way, it's kind of sad, right? Like, if that's your life, I can't imagine being that upset about so many things, but specifically something that's in, in the, in the, in the total, you know, sum of life, like, representation is extremely important. But at the same time, you know, when that representation, representation isn't for you, like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I love reading stories about cultures and, and communities that are different from me, you know, because that's not my experience. So getting to experience it through those people's eyes, you know, through their own words, uh, you know, through, you know, the movies and the TV shows and the music they create, you know, I really, I really value that because that gives me an insight into, you know, a way of life that I don't have access to. Uh, so, you know, if, if if your view of it is, I can't believe, you know, they're doing two issues about a, a gay black kid, like, you don't have to buy it. I don't want your money. Um, I'd rather it be for, you know, the people who it's meant for anyways. Um, so, you know, if, if that comes my way, that's fine, but I'm not really going to lose any sleep over it. You know what? I'm glad you feel that way because I feel like a lot of times in comics and graphic novels and just books in general, you know, the, we're so used to seeing the default being whiteness. And I think males are used to seeing like these superheroes as like these hyper masculine people that anything that kind of like, you know, is different from what they project it becomes, like, you know, problematic to them. But it's not really problematic. It's not problematic at all. It's just that because, you know, in their everyday life, they see what they are, you know. Mm -hmm. People, you know, some people are able to navigate society without seeing others. And, you know, honestly, too, like, the strength it takes, you know, to come from you know, these communities to come from these LGBTQ communities, like, I can't even imagine, you know, like, I'm a black man. So I'm definitely, um, you know, subject to a lot of, you know, discrimination and racism and all that stuff. But, you know, I I still see my privilege over, you know, say, the way that society might view a black woman, the way that society might view a trans black woman, you know, I mean, like, there's so many different levels to it. And seeing people coming from those communities, who are just out here living their life, like living their dreams, doing what they want to do in the face of just so much unnecessary hate, but just like, just just toxicity, right? Like, you know, existing and living in a world not designed for you, right? Like it's, 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 it's so hard, I think, on the day-to-day to kind of keep, you know, positive and keep moving, but you know, to see so many of them out here, you know, doing so many amazing things, going to these protests and just, and just being a part of it and leading, you know, a lot of them, like I, I, I applaud them in so many ways. I'm behind them in so many ways because I just can't imagine looking at somebody and hating them 
for simply existing. And a lot of that comes back to you and interrogating yourself. And so, you know, seeing two men kiss, <laughs> like, sparks something so, like, hateful and spiteful inside of you. Maybe you should sit down and think about why that is, because it's, it has nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? You don't have to look at it if you don't want to. You can just mind your business. I think minding, minding your business is a, is a very key element of life that I feel like so many people haven't mastered yet for reasons I don't understand, but it costs you nothing to just let people live, you know? That is also very, very true. So <laughs> let, you know, let us know what else you're reading because you also worked on Bitch Planet. So yeah. like, you know, let us know what you're reading, what else you like to write, some of your favorite books. You know, who are some of your favorite superheroes? Uh, So in terms of, like, what I'm reading now, I've read a bunch of novels by uh, African authors recently, um, just because I I saw this interview that Toni Morrison did, basically where she was talking about, you know, in her own work, you know, where she she learned to center blackness instead of whiteness, and, um, you know, how that was kind of unlocked... Uh, for her by reading all these different uh, African authors, and so let me see. I have these books, but I want to I want to get the names right. But um, I'm glad you brought up Toni Morrison because um, a few months ago we did no, it was almost a year ago. Yeah, it was almost a year ago. We did a podcast episode on you know how Black women mourn Toni Morrison, and I read an article recently about this um, author name um gail gail jones and she's a very unknown author but apparently she was one of the um she's an author that tony morrison was inspired by mm-hmm. and she's still alive she's born in kentucky um she wrote a book called eva's man and the healing and i was looking them up on you know see how much the books cost and these aren't cheap books these are pretty expensive <laughs> books and i was like okay because you know I, the the last books i bought that was pretty expensive i was you know I, I was like on a binge of buying like the first trade books of octavia butler's first mm-hmm. printed and those are pretty expensive and these are pretty expensive too so i'm, I'm curious to read you know who inspired tony morrison for sure. And I think there's so many, um, you know, authors that we just don't know about just because their stories you never reached any, you know, mainstream success. But, you know, they're definitely, you know, part of the, the diaspora and they're definitely part of, um, you know, our culture, black culture in terms of, of storytellers. Um, so, you know, I'm definitely it's, it's been a goal of mine to kind of reach out. And, and, and do, you know, the little bit of extra digging to find all these different stories. So, like, the, the stories that I've been reading recently, um, I read this collection of short stories that was amazing called What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky um, by Leslie Ineka Arima. Uh, and it's, it's an incredible collection of short stories um, that kind of span, you know, all different decades and, and different situations, but they're mostly about, you know, black women uh, you know, younger black women, older black women, some of them in Africa, some of them in America. Um, and like each story ends just at the moment where I just like, but I want, like, can I get three more pages, four more pages? 
Um, so that was a great collection. I read this this story called House of Stone by Noriyu Rosa uh, Suma. I hope I said that right. Uh, and that was a, an incredible um, story that's just about, um, you know, this, this uh, different... Well, it, it's about Zimbabwe's kind of, like... Um, you know, revolution and, and kind of them, you know, getting past colonialism, but also like how that has kind of continued to haunt them in, in a lot of ways. And also just a very haunting story about like history, family history, personal history, and how that is kind of shaped and changed throughout time. Um, and then I'm reading this book now uh, called An Orchestra of Minorities by uh, Chigozi Mbwama. Uh, mm. which is uh, uh, another great just, just story about, um, you know, African life. But, I mean, there's a lot of, like, folklore and mythology in it. Um, you know, it takes place in Nigeria and it kind of moves throughout the world. Um, but it, it's great to read all these different stories that are just covering so many different um, aspects of, of Blackness and, you know, coming from a perspective where, you know, it's either directly about, you know, Africa and countries and nations and, and their kind of, um, you know, evolution past colonialism into, you know, independence today and kind of the toll of that. Um, but also just, you know, the way that they, they, they mix different genres, whether it's there's some science fiction in there, some folklore, some mythology, some fantasy. Um, I also finished this collection of poems uh, by Dennis Smith called Don't Call Us Dead, uh, which was an incredible collection of, of, of poetry. Um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a gay poet from uh, Minneapolis. And, uh, you know, it was, it was timely because, you know, it was when everything was, was really going down with George Floyd was when I was reading it. But, um, you know, it's, 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 again, one of those things where, like, you know, not coming from, you know, uh, the gay community and not really having... Uh, you know, a lot of that insight, you know, being able to read uh, this just incredibly powerful collection of poems uh, that kind of, you know, put you in that first person space, uh, but also, you know, kind of connect you uh, in a lot of ways to, you know, not even just, uh, you know, what, what different communities are going through, but just the humanity, right? Like, it's, it's, it's a lot of the stuff that I can relate to you about love and life and um you know just generally being black in america but also you know these other added contexts of being black and gay in america so um that's mostly book wise what i've been reading i've read a lot of comics i read you know uh jimmy olsen by matt fraction which just finished which was one of my favorites and i'm loving far sector um i think that's one of the best you know dc books going now and kate jemison's writing that um i'm reading Tartarus by Johnny Christmas, uh, which is a, it's a great image book. Um, Bitterroot, loving Bitterroot. I uh, like Bitterroot um, as well. I've been reading Bitterroot <laughs> for a while, and I'm just getting into Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, I need to catch up on that. Uh, but I've heard a lot of good, I read the first two issues, and then, uh, you know, coronavirus and, you know, access to, you know, single issues of comics. I guess I could get them digitally. I like to get them physically, but... Um, now that there's a trade coming out, I think I just might get that. Um, you know what? You offered some really great titles. And for everyone that's listening, 
we are going to be kicking off our official book club called the Afro Fantastic Book Club, mm-hmm. where we're going to be taking Black authors and we're going to be diving into Black sci-fi, fantasy, mystical, you know, genre bending, fiction and nonfiction works. So we'll be starting that next month. So I'm going to use some of your titles as recommendations, right. and I'm so yeah. excited. So for everybody, DC Comics. Aquaman 63 and 64, right? 62 and 63. Sorry, sorry. 62 and 63, not 63 and 64. I mean, get them all, but... Let me ask you this. If you had to conclude this series, how would you finish finish Jackson's story? Is that fair to ask? Yeah, okay. Um, Let me think about it, because I I know how it ends. (laughs) how the series ends like I kind of got that kind of insider information just when I was working on this so I don't want to get into spoilers for that but if it's just Jackson specifically I think part of his journey is not even like stepping out of Aquaman shadow you know but I think um like he was he was never interested in being like a sidekick, right? Like I mean, I think the first time you see him in in this run of Aquaman, you know, like he's he's he makes it very clear, like you know, I, I want to learn, you know, from you and from Mara, and you know, I have these powers, and I know, you know, I have a lot of work to do in that respect. But like, you know, I did the Teen Titans thing, and I've been a hero for a while, you know. So I mean, I'm not I'm not like. You know, if you want to talk about like an apprenticeship or like a mentorship, but like not really here to be Aqualad, you know, Aquaman Jr. as much as I'm here to be, you know, like a partner, right? And so I think, you know, having this experience, not only with his father and everything that goes on in Seville, but just, you know, being around Aquaman and kind of learning from him in that way, um, I, I think the next step for him would be you know, not like leaving Aquaman entirely, but him kind of stepping out more on his own for his own adventure. Because I think the thing about Jackson that's so interesting is that, you know, he's not Aquaman, right? Like, I mean, his life experience in general is so different, uh, but he is kind of Aquaman in that, you know, Aquaman is is kind of stuck between the surface and uh, Atlantis, and he's balancing those two parts of his life, and Jackson is kind of caught between the surface and Sebel. Um, and and really trying to figure out, you know, where he fits in in both of those places. And so um, I would like to see, you know, if, if, if there was more coming from Jackson after this um, to kind of see what his adventures are like. Because, again, as a, as a gay black superhero, like, he's got probably his own priorities that he's, he's interested in. And, and seeing him not only just as you know, literally, you know, outside of the world of DC Comics, just from a reader viewpoint, as somebody who has a lot of potential to connect with a lot of people, to bring in a lot of readers, but also from a literal in-world standpoint, like, there's not a lot of gay, black superheroes. (laughs) And so I'm sure that he feels those eyes on him. Uh, You know, he feels that pressure on him to kind of be the one who's kind of representing for so many people. Um, and, you know, I would I would love to see those stories that kind of explore his life as a superhero, maybe a little bit of his romantic life, um, you know, and, and a bit of his just general becoming as, as, a, as a person, because he's still only 17, 
you know, he's still so young and there's still so much for him to learn and so many places for him to go. So I think the end of, of this Aquaman run would be a great jumping off point for Jackson in general to kind of have, you know, these, these bigger adventures on his own. That's really cool. So my last point is, I know you, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but on social media, um, this person went viral. Um, uh, they were like an action crime fighting superhero with pink boots. And their um, superhero name was That Bitch. And she would just like <laughs> fly out of nowhere and like fight crime <laughs> and like these six inch boots. It was really mm-hmm. funny, but it's I want to see more. Everything doesn't have to be like super serious for me. Like I just want to oh, see because yeah. all all stories need to be told. Definitely. Well, thank you for coming on. I sure. really appreciate it. Yeah. I love the copy. I, I loved it. It was like really cute, you know. Your relationship doesn't really matter unless you take a picture for it, right? I always right. have to Instagram it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know it's real. So thank you, Jordan. Thank you so yeah. much. You know, I look forward to reading more of your writing. Thank you. And you know, I hope you get all the support you need for these two issues and everything else you're doing in the future. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.